This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Of change time with myself, Lauren Jacobs, and yes, I'm way too excited about today's show. But you're also going to be excited about today's show when you hear the topic we're going to be talking about. And you know what? I just want to say, firstly, welcome to the show and welcome to this safe space today because we are going to be discussing something that is very, very important. You know, when we think about female leadership in the church, we think about it in terms of maybe our own understanding or our own theology, different things. Maybe you have your own perspectives. But today we're going to go a bit deeper. And I'm going to be joined by two incredible women who are actually going to be unpacking the reality of creating safe spaces in the church and when I say church I mean universal church across denominations safe spaces in churches for female leaders as well as those who are married to pastors to people in ministry are women who are doing powerful work who don't have the titles who aren't those who are saying this is pastor so-and-so but yet she's married to pastor so-and-so and the truth of the matter is that women encounter many many difficulties you know when they stand up in the pulpit and I I know that sometimes it's hard to hear these conversations, especially when we have any form of kind of a little bit of prejudice. I know that there's been such a debate for so many years on whether women can even be leaders. Why should they be? And for, for many of you, and I'm hoping so, you know, you've, you've got over that and you're actually in congregations where people are encouraged, you know, women are encouraged to be leaders and women are there and are being represented. And you know what? Today we have to unpack the reality of you know, what do female leaders actually face in the church? But also, you know, what can we do to create these safe spaces? Now, you know, during the song break, we're going to go to a quick song break before I get into the conversation. But during the song break, maybe you can you know, hop on Google. Hopefully you're not on your phone listening, Googling and driving. Please don't do that. But you know what? Go and find there's a very, very powerful video that actually came out. That's about messages that female pastors hear. And the video is all about they interview male pastors and the male pastors read out things that female pastors, their colleagues, very own colleagues have heard. And it's, it's, it's very, very powerful to watch the reactions, but also very, very sad and very uncomfortable to hear the things that female pastors hear sporadically, periodically over and over again and these are things that we have to think about and it's you know the part of the conversation today is well how can we do better what can we do how can we be empowered and the two women who are joining me is reverend sepatin gokoba who is an anglican minister she serves in the diocese of natal she has a very keen interest in women's ministry and enjoys working with others in different liturgies for different worship services which is amazing and she is actively helping actively being involved and you know what creating safe spaces but also having hard conversations and i'm also joined by daniela greenrich she's the coordinator of we will speak out south africa which is a coalition she's also a lay canon in the anglican diocese also of natal in gender ministry and she has been a feminist gender activist for over 35 years which is so 
so so powerful she's done a lot of things daniela has done so many different things and has been involved in so many different sectors continues to be and also works you know in the ngo reality in the ngo sector so i'm so excited because between these women they have such amazing experience to share with us today so don't go anywhere enjoy some music Find that short little video and join us after this. Joining me, Danielle and Sepati, I am so excited to have both of these incredible women with me today because we're going to have a really, really great conversation about a topic that I believe is a little bit sensitive for some people, might be sensitive for some of you listeners, but you know what? It's a conversation that we need to be having. We need to talk about creating safe places not only for healing, but also just safe places in general for our female leaders within our congregations, within our faith communities, regardless of denomination, it needs to be happening. And we're going to tell you why this needs to be happening. What do female leaders actually face within their churches and, you know, shine some reality on this because it's not a topic that's often spoken about. So I want to say Sipati and Daniela, welcome to the show today. And thank you so much for sharing this time with me. Thank you so much, Lauren. Uh, it's a pleasure for us to just be here. And I'm just um, uh, thankful that you you have invited us. So thank you so much. It's good to be here. Thank you, Sipati. Thanks, Lauren. Lauren, it's, um, it's a real privilege to be here and greetings to your listeners. And I'm really looking forward to um, a challenging but really interesting conversation. Mm. It is an interesting conversation. And so, Daniela, because you mentioned that, I'm going to start with you. And I'm going to ask you something that I think that people don't really often consider. You know, there are a lot of realities that female pastors, female leaders, and now not only pastors, but different kinds of leadership positions within churches there is so much that women actually face. And I want to add on to this and say that when I was doing my master's degree and researching gender-based violence within the Christian church, a lot of female leaders, be it pastors, be it elders, be it deaconesses, actually shared with me some stories that were very, very hard to hear. I'm glad I asked the question because I myself would not have known these realities, you know, from things like death threats even. And I think that this is something that we don't consider. It's something that people don't think about. And I'd love for you to just share with us for a bit, what do female leaders within Christian communities, we're not even talking about outside of the church, within Christian communities, what are the realities that they are facing on a daily basis often? Thank you so much, Lauren. Um, as you're asking the question, I don't really know where to start. Mm. Let me start in, um, uh, I mean, I'm a lay leader. I've been a, a lay minister for, for many, many years. Um, uh, I'm not an ordained priest, so I, I think Sipati will speak a little more about that. Mm. But I think there are, there are two things for me. Um, the one is that often female leaders are invisible, if I may say that. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that, and there's a, there's a term that's been created that's, that is called invisibilized. Mm. And uh, because it can be an active thing that is done to one. Um, I was uh, having a conversation with one of the deacons in our church the other day and in a rural area in, in KZN. And she was saying she's a rector in her church and 
the, when when there are issues that are discussed, even a church council, um, and you know among the elders and so on, she finds that often conversations take place without her, even though she's the leader in the church, hmm. and they they take place between the men, and and she finds herself invisibilized. And they and she finds that her her lay ministers or her church wardens, the, the the senior elders in the church, in a sense, speak on her behalf, and she finds that very painful, mm. and very difficult. Mm. And but the interesting thing is the way that she has has been working with it. Uh, other lay leaders in those same meetings with her women leaders have also noticed it. And it has opened up conversations between them around this phenomenon that it's not just them going mad or them feeling inadequate, but that they're, and I don't think it's an intentional uh, thing. Um, and one of the one of the things that came through in that conversation was that, you know, in some churches like the Anglican Church, uh, pastors, uh, priests are called father. Hmm. And apparently when she first hmm. moved into that church, there was this big debate about what to call her. And, um, you know, because now they couldn't call her father, should they call her mother? And actually, it's pretty simple. You just call her Rev or Reverend or just by her name. Yeah. But it made me think about how, you know, lang how language works. If we don't have a word for someone or something, it's easy to invisibilize them. They they kind of lose their mm -hmm. their. their their individuality or their status. And so so she has been in a position where, because there hasn't been a name for her in the church or a term, uh, and of course there's a whole lot of other reasons, but it becomes an unconscious thing. So that's kind of a um, one area that, that I think also happens with ladies and actually happens with women in general, often in leadership positions in uh, even I work in the NGO sector and the faith-based sector. It happens a lot. Um, the other thing is the sexualization mm. of mm. women and women leaders, and that there tends to be this sort of awkwardness. And, uh, you know, a, a, a woman priest who um, is, is talking among other priests or other, other pastors, and then one of them starts to make a comment on how she looks Mm. Uh, and immediately mm -hmm. she's be, she's you know sort of separated out or even in committee structures um and 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 questions like for example if a woman is assertive in leadership she's often branded aggressive mm. whereas if the same mm. thing was said in the same way by a man it would be regarded as assertive. So there tends to be this overriding way of um, sort of habitual relating mm -hmm. to women leaders just mm -hmm. because people are not used to it. And I don't think it's just men that do it. I think we do it unconsciously yeah. as women because we yeah. are socialized in a particular way. So I'm just going to start there and leave over to Sepati. Um, uh, there's a lot more to say, but I don't want to talk too long. Sepati, mm. this will be interesting, you know, from your perspective as well. I'm sure other women leaders that you have met 
what are these unique problems? And I want to just say, Daniela, I think that those two aspects you touched on are so real, so important, and we could probably talk about just those two realities for such a long time. But Sapati, I would love to know from you and hear your voice on this. Yeah, uh, thank you so much, Lauren. I think that just to add on to some of the things that um, Daniela has already highlighted, um, for me, I, I am a young woman um, that has just come into ministry um, as an ordained person about um, two years ago, hmm. uh, before that I was in lay ministry. And, you know, from the moment you step into the church space, it almost seems as if there's also alongside your stepping in, there's a there's a struggle that you immediately enter into because one of the first problems is that you don't deserve to be in that space. You don't deserve to be in leadership. You don't deserve to be ordained. It is unbiblical. It's not alongside our faith. Mm. You know, already going in, um, you have the strong sense that God is calling you, and yet there's also the strong sense that the church that God is calling you into actually doesn't want you. So already as you go into the church, um, you are already just faced with that dilemma. And it is a tension that you are constantly holding even as you move into ordained ministry. And that is why it is so important for women faith leaders to find a space. Because um, for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm married to a person who's also um, a priest. Mm. And we are, we, are, um, we, are, we, are, we are both priests in charge in the parish of St. Agnes in Kloof. And both of us um, could be in the same room with some of our colleagues, and yet our experiences could be very different. You know, while I could be conscious about what I'm wearing and what I look like, um, he might be completely having a different conversation because already as I enter into a room, I'm already used to reading how people are um, reading my own body. So before even sitting at the table and having something to say, you are already finding yourself in an unsafe space because wow. of it could be the looks um, and some of the jokes, you know, sometimes yeah. it's in the jokes um, that um, the gentleman's cap makes and they make you feel not only um, 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 invalid, but they also make you feel like you're erased. You know, like you are, you're not even there. You're not even part of the narrative or the story. So when we realized this, I think that's when we started to just, you know, realize the importance of just women having a safe space. And this is not just now women um, who are necessarily in ministry, mm -hmm. but also women who are married to these priests, mm -hmm. because now you are supposed to be the strong woman who is giving uh, marital advice to other women, who is um, somewhat uh, seen as supportive of the husband's ministry. And yet, um, on the other side, you could be the one that's struggling, that's in need of somebody to talk to, but there's actually nobody to do that with because there's no, there's no one you can trust with your story who will see you and who will hear you. Mm. 
Sure, Supati, I think that that's such a powerful statement as well and something I've discussed with a number of people, also being an ordained minister in full-time ministry for the last 12 years, but having to come to a point myself in realizing that I struggle to minister to men. Um, Not sure Mm. why. Mm. That is so weird. I've never been rejected by anybody. But yet that struggle, there is exactly like you said when when you step in there there's automatically a struggle but also who do you confide then in you know who do you talk to even just generally even being you know married to someone else that's also in ministry you the trust you know who do you confide in who do you trust you know as leaders everyone's looking to you but who do you look to and yes people will say i have a mentor or have this one with that one it's not as easy as that there's so many things that as women you go through as well so i want to talk mm-hmm. then about and just touch on very quickly Safe spaces, you know, specifically for for women, like you said, leaders, women leaders, but also those who are married to, you know, pastors or priests or someone that is in ministry. Because women who are married to pastors or priests, they are expected to do so many things. And it's that's a topic for another day. But I think creating a safe space, firstly, as a definition you know, Daniela, what actually is a safe space for female leaders and also for those who are married to people who are in ministry? What exactly is a safe space? Um, Lauren, I, I want to um, I, I want to answer that, but then I also was thinking to share a story with you from from um, our particular church that mm-hmm. really led us to thinking through this the incredible importance of these safe spaces because they can become life and death matters. Yes, so, I'd love to hear. Um, yeah, for, so for for me, and and we've we've often had this conversation, and even the other day, Sipati mentioned it again in another forum, that um, there can be no safe spaces for other people if I am not a safe space. Mm. So it's it's my responsibility also to create a safe space, and so it's it's. Who is the church but each of us together? Mm. And so so if I am not a safe space and if there's just one person who is behaving in a way that, like Sipati says, is checking her body up and down, is interrupting her when she's speaking, is um, invisibilizing by actually not even uh, responding when she raises an issue um, and and. So, so immediately that space is not safe. Mm. And the, 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 I suppose one way of creating those kinds of safe spaces is to be conscious of them and to interrupt them. Um, you know, the, not, not the safe spaces, the unsafe behaviors and to find ways to assist, um, others. Uh, and it, it takes a little bit of courage. To, to be able to do that and in a way um, like Jesus sometimes did to sort of show up people when when there was an abuse of power. So, but if I can just, uh, would you, would it be all right to go on to an example? Mm, yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I just wanted to share the story in our church where last year in about May, we were completely blindsided, and I've been uh, leading a gender ministry and gender-based violence ministry in the 
in the Anglican Diocese that I'm working with um, or, or part of for, for since 2017. And um, what happened was that we heard of a woman that had died, that was found dead in the sugarcane fields up north. And she was um, married to um, a priest. And everybody was so shocked. And, our, you know, in the aftermath of that, it, it came out pretty quickly that actually people knew that there had been issues of abuse in that marriage and a lot of tension. And because of this overriding thing in our society that we, you know, we, we um, don't talk about such things, they're domestic things and so on, nobody really did anything. Right. And um, and even the, the, the husband at some point apparently asked for help from, from others and nobody really knew what to do. And what really emerged from that, we then had um, an extensive meeting with a number of women in the women's organizations in, in the diocese, uh, and, and a lot of them were, were, were priests' wives. And it came out so clearly that the pressure on married women, uh, but also couples in ministry, yeah. that they are yeah. always there for everybody else. They are always perfect. They have mm. to be the safe mm. space for everybody else. And um, for them to admit any imperfection, and, you know, when there have been times where a couple has split up or there's, you know, been something like that, it's been shock and horror, and usually mm. um, it mm. is the woman who's stigmatized and, and isolated. Yeah. So, so what then came through from the story, and, I mean, the story got very, very ugly and, and horrible. But what what really came through was this desire among women in the church, leaders in the church, pastors, uh, priests and priests' wives to, to really deal uh, more honestly and to think through what would make a safe space. Because the, the challenge is also that because within the, the way uh, the church is structured, um, and our church is very hierarchical, uh, it becomes almost competitive yeah. and it becomes very yeah. difficult for, for that safety to, to be there. And I remember working with a church in Malawi and just the last thing I'm going to say and then, mm. and then be quiet, but um, where they had, uh, they were telling me of all this incredible work that they were doing and they had, marches and campaigns against gender-based violence and so on. But as we were talking and the, the space that was then created um, that became quite safe, one of the young women there said, um, but, you know, I went to the leader of this woman's manano and told her that I'm in an abusive relationship and that I'm repeatedly beaten and raped by my husband. And I was told to submit and behave myself. Mm. And so there's also these double standards. So part of be, being a safe space is, is unsilencing the silence, as it were, mm. and allowing, mm. um, you know, to, to look at, at these horrors straight in the face 
and and hold one another instead of trying to explain it away or playing the the blame game. I'm going to stop there. Mm. No, but this is this is such incredible things that I feel that we are hearing today that we need to internalize that we need to learn from, not just say you know it's going to be easy for people sometimes who listen to say no, but that's not my church structure or you know it's we we have female pastors so we we are okay, but if we look deeper and like you're sharing here as well. You know, we have to look deeper. We have to look at things that are ugly in the face. And I know many churches as well who have that, have had that same reality where women have, have gone forward and said, you know, I have, I am being abused or I am being raped in my marriage. And they've heard some of the things, you know, submit or bear your cross like Jesus would, you know, many of these different narratives. And that's what we have to be challenged on. We're going to take this a little bit further. We're going to hear from Sapati when we get back. Enjoy some music with us and don't go anywhere. You're with me, Lauren Jacobs, here on Voice of Change today. Welcome to the show. If you're just joining us, I hope that you've been here with us from the beginning because Sapati and Daniela are with me and we are talking about creating safe spaces for women, female leaders, as well as those who are married to ministers. And you know what? The truth of the matter is we are unpacking some things that we need to look at straight in the face. And Sapati, I want to come to you and ask you to also unpack this reality of how do we create safe spaces within our congregations? You know, how does this happen? And I, I love that, you know, that you you can't create a safe space for others if you yourself are not a safe space. That is powerful. And it's so important. How do we create these safe spaces? If there's maybe someone listening today that's saying, okay, I, I hear what you ladies are sharing. I hear what you're saying. How do we begin to do this in our congregations? I think one of the most important things is to firstly have an honest look at the structure of your congregation and to really think through, does it um, promote a, a safe space? Does it promote a culture of safety? Because if, if it doesn't, then it means already people who are coming in as members, as people who are just joining, are already assessing to say, you know, am I safe here? So so we really need to be honest um, about the structures of our churches, the traditions of our churches, the, even the language we use in the church to say, is this safe for every person who could possibly come in this um, church space. And another thing that I think um, is important um, is make, creating a conducive environment for, for, for truth-telling. Mm -hmm. there, there's not going to be a safe space unless there's truth-telling. And um, as churches, we sometimes make the mistake of, you know, avoiding confrontation or avoiding certain truth because they lead to confrontation. And we rather tell people to just, you know, keep it under carpet or um, no, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Can we talk about this privately? This is not a pulpit meta. This mm. is not a meeting meta. And in so doing, we are actually depriving other people um, the confidence in the church to be able to come forward and tell their truth. So it is important that we create that space that people can feel safe, that I can come and I can share my truth without judgment, mm. without being dishonored. Um, you know, another element that just comes up also is that um, 
a lot of people are shamed for telling their story. A lot of women, especially who are leaders, are shamed for telling their story. And this really calls us to assess even our theological understanding in terms of um, equality, in terms of forgiveness, uh, in terms of grace, you know, um, so that I don't forgive and accommodate and um, be comfortable with the injustices that are happening just because it's a graceful thing to do or it's a forgiving thing to do or it's a Christian thing to do. So we also need to challenge our own theology as the church and say, does this promote truth-telling? Hmm. Well, I love that, you know, it's. I, I also think... I'm thinking of the fact that something we learned in psychology was that people listen to respond. You know, they're not listening to hear. And I think that so many times Christians listen to respond. You, you begin to share or, or there's a vulnerability that someone is sharing with you and begins to open up their story and telling, you know, their truth as well and their journey. And then someone sitting opposite from them is actually just listening to respond to them listening to respond through their frame of reference formed by their theology and sometimes that theology could be judgmental or could be you know very very different or it could be placing a burden upon someone else instead of us listening to attend listen to be there with them in their journey and in their story and in their reality and I think that that's something that we can also be challenged with as well and it's a good challenge even to those who are listening you know how do you how do you listen you know are you a safe space and and often we want to create safe spaces or build shelters or build these places but will the people that come to those places feel safe with us feel safe within our presence or you know experience empathy and compassion which is a, a huge part of it and Daniela I also want to come to you you know I can't believe our time has gone so quickly as we approach you know we heading off to the end of September we're going to be entering October which we know is domestic violence awareness month that I know that this is a big topic when it comes to faith but you know if you could give a message today to those who are listening and say we're reaching domestic violence Violence Awareness Month. If there's one thing you feel the church needs to take into account when it comes to creating safe spaces, when it comes to how we deal with even domestic violence, all of these things, and I know that it's a big question that I'm I'm asking you here. What would your message be, you know, to the church right now through everything that you have been witnessing and experience? What would be your message to the church on all of these issues? <laughs> Small little question. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think uh, while while Sipati was speaking, uh, you know, and I always learn a lot when I'm when I listen to her. She, um, I, I was just thinking about um, what what does make a conducive space for truth telling, uh, and what are the consequences of not doing that? I think of mm. the um, of Tema who was raped by her half brother. And her other brother, Absalom, and, and many people don't even know that this is in the church. I mean, in the Bible, in, yeah. in Judges, the, the, um, it's, in, it's in 2 Samuel. But the, the, um, the story shows that Absalom, her brother, told her to be quiet. She mm. wanted to speak about it. She was silenced. And she ended up 
living and dying in his house. And the words are a desolate woman. Mm, And so the consequences of not speaking and the isolation um, and and the desolation, um, you know, that that comes of that is is terribly, terribly sad. And Mm. so part of what I'm also thinking in terms of the church is to really reflect on what, you know, on the, to become more aware of our power as individuals and as church. Mm. And so the way I relate to you is going to model relationships and the way pastors and priests and lay leaders and women's uh, organization leaders relate to other people will be seen by others. And, and that also is a way of creating the space. And then how do we listen? And, and, Are we able to put aside our own woundedness and our own triggers, at least be aware of what they are, so that when somebody does speak the truth, we don't react, we respond thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. And remember that Jesus, whenever anybody came to Jesus, what was the first thing he always said to them? What do you want me to do for you? And in a situation like that, to listen to the survivor and listen separately to the perpetrator and think through what what is the damage here and be aware also of the power relations between them, but specifically to really have that openness and that prayerful heart and not to rush to... Um, you know, mediate and try and make peace. Because mm. if you try and make peace in relationships where there is unequal power and uh, 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 that kind of damage that is done, you will only make it worse. So mm. take time to listen. Put aside your own triggers. Work with your own triggers. Don't don't just bury them, but don't bring them into that space. So mm. yeah, I mean. Amen. I love that. And even and even even Bathsheba, her voice is completely missing. You know, when David sends for her, takes her, sends messages, brings her to his house, all of those things. And I think it's something that people don't ever think about. You know, it's David is places like this hero, but we don't hear mm. Bathsheba's voice in this abuse situation her voice is silent until she says i'm pregnant and then things change and i think it's something just like you mentioned with tamar something we have to consider and sepati i want to you know lastly bring this to you as well what would your message be to the church today from a leader's perspective from a woman who is serving so powerfully and actively in many different ways what would your message be to the church as we come to domestic violence awareness month as we you know are wrapping up this reality of let's create the safe space let's be that safe space what would your message be um thank you lauren i think um one of the most important things that we as church must be aware of is that if the church is not on board with fighting these forms of injustices whether it's gbv as well as patriarchal violence then society itself is not going to go anywhere If the church is not on board and continues to cement some of these um, things that are perpetuating GBV, then society itself will not go anywhere. And that also, we need to listen. We need to listen as faith leaders, 
as churches, we need to open our, our ears and open our hearts to really listen to the outcries of those who have been abused and those who are crying out for space. And once we have, we must be able to make a judgment to say, this is not in line with my expertise and therefore I can refer. Because sometimes the temptation is that we want to play psychologists on psychological matters, whereas what's actually necessary as the church is to be with that person, to hold them, um, uh, to hold them in that safe space, and also to just say, um, I'm referring you, or I can get you help from somebody else, you know, and just have the humility to be able to do that. So I think that is, those are the main important things that we can do. Not be quick um, to just hear and not listen, and that we must be able to say, um, I'm going to refer this matter to somebody else who will help you hold this space alongside whoever has come to you. Hmm. Amen. Ladies, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today because I feel impacted, empowered, and definitely I learn as well when I hear these powerful, important realities and truths. So Sipati, thank you for being here. Daniela, thank you for this conversation. Thank you for giving of your time, both of you today. And I pray that God will just bless both of you as you continue to serve him and serve his people and serve just people in general. Thank you so much. And may God bless you both. Thank you so much, Lauren and listeners. God bless. Thank you. Bless you. Thank Thank you for the space. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, I was just reflecting on something that I experienced quite a few years ago. Well, it must have been over 10 years ago when I was training as a trauma therapist. And, you know, I, I heard a lot about creating safe a safe house, you know, for the place where I was involved in, and the power of safe houses. And I fully believe in the power of safe houses and have been involved in a number of safe houses. But I also know that God challenged me and said to me, I don't want you to build something physically that is a safe house. I want you to be the safe house. And I reflect on that now as we had this conversation, exactly what has come out is that we need to be safe people. The reality is, and in psychology, we do it often, particularly in marriage counseling, we ask the different people, different you know, spouses, do you feel safe with your spouse? Do you feel safe with your partner? And that is not just a physical thing, it's an emotional thing. Do you feel safe emotionally? Do you feel anxious when that person's around? Do they make you feel angry? Do they make you feel a certain way? What is your emotional response? But so too, as we think about the fact that that is what we use in, in relationship counseling and family counseling and marriage counseling, it applies to all of us. And I think of that often. You know, sometimes we have people in our lives that we know we can confide in who are safe and other people who are also friends, but we don't feel we can go as deep with them because they don't feel safe. And that's okay too. And we need to ask ourselves in the church as we are the church, as well as I want to say to those who are listening today who are in any form of leadership, whether it be, you know, in lay ministry, whether it be in full-time ministry, whether it be in teaching or you had a university a Christian university or you are you in pulpit ministry or you in you know counseling ministry doesn't matter what in any ministry that you fall in ask yourself are you a safe space for the people who look to you are you a safe space even for your family and I want to bring that out today are you a safe space for your family are you safe for your children are you safe for your wife 
are you safe for others and the truth is that we need to really consider this and i encourage you today to think about what it means to create safe spaces in your church and maybe you are a woman listening right now and you're encouraged and saying you know what this is something we need to do in our church well then do it and I want to say thank you to my amazing, amazing guests for being with me today and for opening up this conversation. It's a good one and it's one that we need to have. So until next week, I'm so excited to be with you next week for Heritage Day with a very, very special guest who's going to be telling us about her journey and it's going to be amazing. Cannot wait to see you next week. Take care and God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit. 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.